0: Wow! Well, believe it or not, fishing expeditions about like that, um, where everything and anything can happen. So there are two things, there are two subjects that a pastor can speak on that will lower the crowd quicker than anything. Money and sharing your faith, right? So everybody, uh, I, it's not my gift, I don't have time, it's not in my wheelhouse, so on and so forth. So uh, we want to um, kind of squelch that, that um Thought in your mind, because the fact is, God has equipped you and provided a means by which you can be uh, used by the Lord. So, um, I want you to go to page uh, 16 in your book. Last week, we talked about how to um, prepare your testimony, how to share the gospel. We gave you a, a, a snippet of a gospel presentation. We have those books up here again. Uh, the three circles that I use. There's a little booklet here that you can just literally take somebody through the booklet. You don't even have to draw anything or memorize anything. You can just take them step-by-step step through this booklet. And I gave you just a snapshot. I mean, there are a lot of things you can add to the circles depending upon the circumstance or who the person is. And you can add verses of Scripture that are applicable. And I, I would caution not using too much Scripture uh, and get too bogged down, right? You, you want to at least give them that initial the gospel presentation yes it's important to use scripture but you know they don't need 25 verses on you know brokenness or something like that so you want to keep it uh, not real lengthy you know, you're not giving them a 30 minute message you're not going to be in like me 40 minute message uh, so you you know you want to again your your testimony should be 3 to 5 minutes in length you got to be able to present the gospel within 5 minutes it may take longer than that. You may have more time than that. You may not have more time than that. So you have to custom it, custom make it to whoever, whoever it is that you are speaking to. Now, uh, we ended last week on three ways that people are going to respond, that we called the red light, yellow light, green light. Some people are just going to flat out reject it and say, you know, this just isn't for me. Um, maybe the time's not right for them. Uh, Maybe they don't believe anything you told them. People are skeptical of the Bible. People are skeptical of, of Jesus. And they've heard a lot of things and been taught a lot of things. Some people are yellow. You know, like they're not ready to make a decision then, but they're open to it. So again, you want to burn the bridge. You don't want to argue with people. You don't want to try to force them into the kingdom If you can talk somebody into something, somebody else can talk them out of it, right? So you don't want to do that, but you want to leave that door open. You want to leave that bridge intact that at a later time, and we're going to talk about what to do with them. In the meantime, uh, you have another opportunity. Uh, I shared with you last week, I believe it takes, on average, seven touches and three hearings before a person uh, is willing to make that commitment to Christ in their life. That's just average. It's not a set number, but you got to get the gist. And then there's the green light. You might have somebody say, yes, I'm ready to make that commitment. I'm ready to put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to be the Savior and Lord of my life. So in the next section that ends out session two, I talked about some communication tips and just a couple things I want to uh, kind of point out here at the very top uh, under number one, recognize your personal style of witnessing. The other things that I have uh, in the book is self-explanatory. You can read those for yourself. But I do want to hit on this first one before we move into our fishing pond. It says your shape not only determines your ministry in the church, but it influences your style of mission in the world. Now we use that word shape to to refer to your spiritual gifts, your heart, uh, your heart, your passions. Uh, your abilities, these are natural abilities you were given when God created you in your mother's womb and you came into the world. Your personality, you have a dominant personality uh, type, more than likely. And your experiences, these can be educational experiences, work experiences, painful experiences, you know, experiences of God's great blessing, all kinds of experience all make your unique shape. So when it comes to sharing your faith, a lot of times people always think well if I'm going to share my faith that means I got to go up to a house cold turkey knock on the door somebody answers and I got to you know kind of introduce myself and get them to where I can present the gospel that's not, I want this to be a lifestyle not going on to somebody's porch cold turkey. I'm not against that, not opposed to that. You got to have a pretty unique personality if that's going to be your style. You hear people talk all the time, well, you know, I was sitting on the airplane and there was somebody beside me and I engaged them in a conversation, led them to the Lord. And, and we're all sitting there thinking, wow, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be that bold. I wish I could, I, I could communicate in such a, such a manner, right? So that might not be your style, but you have a style based on God's unique shape, right? Um, so my secretary, Linda Clark, when I was in Lyria pastoring, uh, Linda loved to uh, bake cakes and decorate them and fancy decorations. She went to all kinds of classes for that. So uh, every year she would do the same thing. She would invite people, whether were neighbor ladies or other ladies that she knew uh, that were far from God, and she would invite them to her house uh, for three days, and she would teach them everything she learned about decorating cakes. And each day, she would have somebody there share their testimony. You know, she'd have people there who were saved, share their testimony, and, you know, three to five minutes. And then on the last day, uh, Linda was a cancer survivor, and so she would share her testimony and then present the gospel. She led a lot of ladies to the Lord using that style. See, that was comfortable to her. It was in her wheelhouse. It was something she could do uh, efficiently and proficiently, and God used it in mighty ways. So you just need to look at yourself and say, "Well, what is my what is my natural style? What, how can I?" So I've given you several common styles. Uh, listed them on your uh, in your booklet. You know, maybe you have a serving style, right? You're like Dorcas in Acts 9. You know, she loved to serve people, and so serving is your doorway into somebody's life. And it's through serving them that then God opens that opportunity to share. Because your, remember, you're always looking for common ground where you can begin sharing your testimony, leading it into the gospel. Maybe you're more intellectual, like the Apostle Paul. You know, you, you, you're like, uh, you have a teaching gift or wisdom. And so you can do like apologetics. You can go toe-to-toe with somebody about, you know, well, I don't, I don't believe there, a God who's good and loving could, could send anybody to hell. Otherwise, he's not good or he's not loving. And you can tackle those problems. And that might be the starting point with somebody. Again, that takes a unique individual who, who has that capacity to do that. Uh, maybe it's bringing, and that is uh, Hospitality. Giving. Remember the Samaritan woman? What did she do? She had her encounter with Jesus at the well. She went back to her town and told everybody about what happened in this encounter in Jesus. And then it says she brought them to Jesus, and there they had their own personal encounter. And so uh, a bringing style is kind of what um, some of you may have. Some of it's more testimonial, right? You're an encourager. It might be like the blind man who's, who... Jesus healed him of his blindness, and he started getting questioned by the the uh, Pharisees and the sanhedrin, and he said, "Oh I can tell you I was blind and now I see you know you, you can say he's bad if you want, or he's of no account i 'm just telling you what my experience was, and that might be your your fundamental style, or sometimes this is a good one literature, right Some of you um, have the gift of mercy, and um, you pass out books or you you put people onto a podcast or some other form of literature. You know, if you have a friend who loves to read, and maybe you, you've got an incredible book that would help her out or him out, um, there's so much good stuff out there where Christians have walked through some deep, dark valleys in their own personal lives and then wrote books about it and how the Lord dealt with them in the midst of that and brought them out of it and how he's changed their life since. And so you you can hand the book and say, hey, how about we read this book together? Or you read the book, I'll read it. And when we get together and discuss it, that's a tremendous way to have access into somebody's life who's far from God. And then there's, for some of you, the confrontational, that is you're kind of the person who can go to the door and knock on it and and say, hey, um, you know, this is what EE, e. Evangelism Explosions, CWT, Continuous Witnessing Training is all about. How you go to the door and they use the acrostic fire and, and how you, you know, engage in the conversation and move into the house and, and share your testimony and gospel and so on and so forth. So I'm just simply saying, it, like on the, uh, <laughs> the video, all the excuses as to why they couldn't participate in the fishing are null and void. God has shaped you. He's given you a unique shape, passion, and ability to engage people who are far from God. And so the other things I give you, and I'll give you a little fill-in-the-blank on one of them, you got to think through what you might want to say, ask God to give you the right words. Number six down there it says never use any put-downs, right? Here's the fill-in-the-blank. Don't expect unbelievers to act like a believer until they are. All right? This is a huge misconception here. We, we want people to act like, you know. well, they're just too sinful or they've just got a foul mouth and they've got a really bad attitude and they've got some really bad habits and they're engaged in sinful uh, things that I don't want to be around, wrong attitude. Why do we expect people to be like Jesus when they're not even close to Jesus? In fact, if most of us were to look in the mirror, we know that we are becoming more and more like Jesus, but we're probably still pretty far away off. Amen? Yeah, tell that to your neighbor, okay? See you at the So, um, you know, things like memorize key verses, keep it simple. Let me just reiterate keep it simple. You do not have to answer every question that's in somebody's mind when you're presenting the gospel. Just get the gospel out there and let the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do, and that is to convict them of their sin, to tear down the scales on their eyes that's keeping them blinded to the truth, and to draw them into that relationship with Jesus. Jesus himself said, if the Holy Spirit had not drawn you, you would have never come. Just let Jesus out, the lion out of the cage, and let the Holy Spirit take over from there. All right, so let's move into our, our fishing pond because um, I want to I finish this up today. So we'll have time next week because we're going we're gonna to celebrate. We're going to do a little teaching. Uh, it's going to be short, uh, but we, I want us to have more celebration. And I'm going to do kind of a commissioning service to us Uh, As a congregation. So, fishing in my mission pond, Jesus called out and said, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for the souls of of men. Now, notice there are two very important things about this passage. Number one, following and fishing go together. Following and fishing. Jesus says, You're following me, you're going to be fishing. So, if you're not fishing, then you're really not following. So this is my purpose is I, I'm, I'm going to make you to become something you are not presently. I'm going to make you become fishers of men. I've, I have a mission for you, and I'm going to equip you for that mission. And the second thing is that introducing people to Christ is like fishing, not hunting. Big difference. <laughs> I'm a hunter. I used to hunt um, rabbit and deer and a lot of other things um, back in my former life. <laughs> Uh, I haven't hunted much since I've been back in Ohio, but when I was in, you know, in the Pennsylvania area and West Virginia and all those areas, I I hunted a lot because a lot of guys in my church hunted. So I, I, my dad hunted, uh, we have a family cabin uh, that's in a, a national forest where we deer hunt every year. So I've given on your outline the difference between hunting and fishing because sometimes we treat evangelism like it's a hunting expedition like we're going to bag them and tag them. that's the like the kind of the phrase when you kill a deer you know you bag it you you shot it and then you got to tag it and then take it to the processing center well that's not the way we want to approach sharing our faith see hunting is aggressive fishing is more gentle hunting's based on confrontation fishing's more on attraction um, remember that you attract how do you attract fish you attract fish through a certain bait, and not the, the same bait does not attract all fish. Different fish require different bait, right? And so sometimes we think that there's just one cookie cutter approach to engaging in people's lives and having opportunity to share our our testimony and the and, our, and the gospel. But that is not that is not the case, and so. Hunting's all about go out there and shoot them. Uh, Fishing's about get them to nibble on your bait. You know, use one size fit all bullet. Allows you to try all kinds of lures. Take your best shot. It's over. Reeling in a fish requires give and take. Um, Scares off an animal if you miss. You get more than one chance when you're fishing, right? (laughs) So um, the animal has no choice. The fish gets a choice. Must be a skilled shot. Anyone can put the bait into the water. Did you catch that? Underline that, please. Anyone can put the bait into the water. You don't have to be skilled to put the bait in the water. And so this is what we're, we're trying to teach you and equip you with, is that anyone can put the bait in the water and how we do that. So in Jesus' day, they used nets for fishing today. We have many kinds of methods even bass boats with built-in sonar equipment and all kinds of gadgets to give. My church in West Virginia yeah, had a lot of guys who, who had um, huge bass boats with, equipped with everything because they, they all fished in these bass tournaments, bass boat tournaments or fishing tournaments. Ch- um, I don't know Chad's not here, but he would know all about that. But uh, I mean, these guys had incredible boats with these big, powerful uh, engines on the back. And so our director of missions, uh, wanted to go on one of the, these, uh, bass tournament. And so the guys invited him said, okay, come with us. And so now if you've ever been in, these guys are serious. So their tackle box is not like this. This is what our associational director bought. That was his tackle box. These guys have got like trunks, uh, built in trunks in that boat. That's just filled with all kinds of fishing lures. And so he got in the boat, he sat down his little tackle box and, you know, there's a starting time. And when the starting time, you want to get to the best spot, your spot. And when they hit those, that throttle and those engines kick in on a bass boat, that thing just rears right up. out. Of, and so as they reared up and started out across the lake, his little tackle box just floated right out of the boat right into the lake. So, uh, yeah, so let's talk about three keys. I know it says five keys. I'm giving you three keys to spiritual fishing. Number one is you have to identify your personal fishing pond. What is your personal fishing pond? And by the way, it's going to be bigger than you probably think it is. And so Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and every part of the world. In other words, he says, here's what you do, and here's where you do it. You're going to be my witnesses, and that's what you do. Here's where you're going to do it. You're going to do it in your Jerusalem. What's your Jerusalem? It's where your, your closest relationships are. When Jesus made the statements to, to his disciples, where were they? In Jerusalem. He's saying, listen, those relationships that are closest to you, that's your fishing pond. Relationships with family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, people that you see on a regular basis. It might be parents. Uh, that you know your son or daughter is in uh, soccer or basketball or softball whatever it might be, and these are people you rub shoulders with all the time and your Judea would speak of like um, a county next door or another city like uh, you, you live in whatever city you live in, uh, so you 're going to move beyond that you're going you 're going to move into your your Judea and Samaria would speak of those who are ethnically and culturally different than us. You you live in Columbus. You don't, the world lives in Columbus. The ethnicity and the culture that is in the Columbus, there are over 130 different languages being spoken in Columbus. In our association, we have almost 80 churches that speak different languages, and so the cultures come here. We don't have to travel very far to know where that is. Um, we, Our church, our association is, is um, putting in another Stowe Center uh, north of 270. It used to be, um, all of a sudden my mind went blank, the name of the church. But anyways, the, the church was kind of going under. Uh, they gave that to the, the facilities to the associ- Sharon Valley, I think it is. Um, no, that's in Newark. Sharon Woods, there it is. Sharon Woods Baptist Church. They gave the facility to our association and so we're going to be remodeling it. The church is going to stay there. But, I mean, it's the, what, what is left. But what has happened is is the community around that church has changed dramatically. They're, you know, the, Everything is culturally and ethnically different. And um, the church has a house that can house missionaries and mission groups. Three Bhutanese churches over the last three years have started out of that house and now have their own facility, uh, their own buildings. And so... We, we, we have a chance to engage, and the world means global. That is, you know, we go on mission trips, we go to other countries, and we, we've done that a lot here in this church over the years, and sometimes it's building trips, and sometimes it's, you know, just for the sheer purpose of sharing the gospel or helping with vacation Bible school, a lot of different things. Now, the next page, on page 19, I want you to think about your fishing pond because a lot of times we don't think we have that many people in our fishing pond, but you've never really thought about it uh, very closely. Right? So self means, okay, uh, obviously, if you're gonna share your faith, right, you gotta have a faith. Right? If, you're, if you're gonna share a relationship with Jesus, you better have a relationship with Jesus. You can't share what you don't have or possess or know. Right? Then you have your immediate family, and then relatives, close friends, neighbors, business associates, acquaintances, So notice there are five circles there. If you just put three names in each of those five circles, there are 15 people in your immediate fishing pond that you should be praying for, right? We gave out these prayer books, who's my one, especially on who's your one, but 30 days, there are 30 prayers in here that are absolutely powerful when praying for, for the lost, and so those outside the kingdom, The question ultimately is, you know, who have you cared enough to tell? Who who do you want to tell about the good news of Jesus? And so this is your circle of influence that God has given to you. And so where do you start? You start those who are closest to me. And these are it, right? These are the people. This is your Jerusalem. These are the people who are closest to you that you have a lot of leverage in their lives uh, as you have been living Christ before them, and God then opens up opportunities for you to take it a step further. All right? Here's number two. The second point and key is you have to learn about the kind of fish in your pond. This is important, right? If you looked at that list, that you, those names you write down, is everybody the same? Are they all male? Are they all female? They all have the same personality? All have the same needs, hurts? They all have the same history, background, come out of the same kind of family? Probably not. So you got a lot of different fish, so you need to understand, learn about who is in your pond. Paul said, to the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those who are without the law, I became like the person who was without the law. To those who are weak, I became weak so I could win the weak. I have become all things to all people so I could have some of them in any way possible. So I can save some of them in any way possible. I do all this because the good news of the good news, and I can share in its blessings. I love Proverbs 13, 16. says, every prudent man acts out of knowledge. So what, what do you know about these people who are in your fishing pond? Well, um, here's the first one. What are their interests, what are their needs, and what are their hurts? These these are things that are important to people, okay? What's their interests, what are their needs, what are their hurts that you know about? Because if this is a person you probably know pretty well, then you're probably going to be pretty up on those things, or at least you're going to, you know, as you have interaction with them, you are going to um, come to understand that. Jesus oftentimes would say, Jesus knew what they were thinking, right? He's got an advantage on you there. I can't tell what you're thinking, but I can listen to your conversation, and I can pick up on a lot of stuff. And this is where listening comes in, and I mean listening closely to what they're saying or what they're not saying. And we talked about this earlier. It's so important that when you're listening to people's stories, and they like to tell their stories because we are a selfie group, okay? We people lo- like to talk about themselves. If you start asking, uh, you know, not good questions and start probing a little bit, they begin to open up. In fact, I, I discovered that most people will open up far more than you ever thought they would about their interests, their hurts, and their needs. Because it's important to them. Now, there is a powerful filter inside your brain called the reticular activating system. And what that means is, is there's this place in your brain, um, it's kind of like God put a filter there to keep you from consciously responding to all the stimuli around you. I mean, every given day, no matter where you are, there's things happening. There are noises happening. Uh, you know, you hear a fan running, an air conditioning unit. You hear a car outside. You hear somebody cough. You hear somebody sneeze. You, you have white noise that's all around you constantly. And if we did not have this filtration system, it would drive us crazy because we were constantly being overstimulated in our sensory overload. And which we require sensory overload. And so, what God has done is kind of filter things out. And um, so, what is it that gets people's attention? What is it that, that, God, that, that people filter out all the white noise, but this gets their attention? These three things. And this is important. Number one is what they value. Whatever somebody values, if you start talking about that, they light up like a Christmas tree. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that subject. Maybe you, you're a car fanatic. You know, you, 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 love, you love cars or maybe you're a motorcycle fanatic or whatever it is that you may, you may have a hobby that you highly value. And if somebody ta- starts talking to you about your hobby, man, I'm all in, right? I'm all ears. Let's talk about this and let's talk about it a lot because it's something I value. Or things that threaten us, things that threaten us um, get our attention. All right, so here's the third one things that are unique and different get our attention. Things that are unique and different get our attention. Do you know that advertisers work over time trying to come up with something, some ad slogan that is unique and different, even if it's different in a way that it agitates you, because if they agitate you, you'll remember it, right? So this is the, this is the way it works. And so I think that the last two really are, are not as effective, you know, things that threaten us. In other words, you don't threaten people into heaven. Fear evangelism never works. You know, put your faith in Jesus or you're going to hell and you just leave it at that. Well, okay, they may make a decision because they're afraid of going to hell, but probably that decision mm, may not be legit. All right? They're just like, they're just... Answering to the fear, that's not really thinking about what does it really mean to enter into this relationship, and the last one, something that is unique and different. You know, you don't have to come up with some big gimmick to get people into the kingdom, um, because if you come up with a gimmick, then you got to come up with something bigger the next time, and bigger and bigger and bigger. I think the the key here is what do they value? What do they value? Well, they value their interests their needs, and their hurts. That's your common ground. Remember what Jesus, the woman at the well? He started a common ground. That's your common ground. Did she have some hurts? The woman had been married and divorced five times. You think there was some emotional pain there? You think there was some emotional distraught? You better believe there was. And so that's why Jesus takes something that is physical water and turns it into something that is spiritual And so, you know, when you look at the Columbus area, um, we, we several years ago here, we talked about, you know, Groveport, Gary and Gloria and the typical person based on demographics in our area. People are well-educated, they're skeptical about organized religion, they think they're enjoying life more now than ever, and they are overextended both in time and money. And that is pretty characteristic to many people's lives, but there are things that are unique to our area uh, in Groveport that are, are not on this list, and you want to think about your area, all right? The people who are in your fishing pond, what are the common characteristics that you see about them? Maybe they're not highly educated. Maybe they're, they're undereducated or maybe um, you know, they're professionals or maybe they're not. I, you know, Whatever it is, just flesh that out. What are their interests? What are their needs? What are their hurts? Because that is a key to engaging in people's lives and conversations with them because they will open up when you hit those points. Here's, here's B. What do I have in common with them? What do I have in common with them? Paul said, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. I do this to get the gospel to them and also for the blessing I receive when I see them come to Christ. So let me give you a couple of things. Um, Let's fill in the blanks here. Before you share the good news, you must first find common ground, right? This is what opens up their receptivity level. We'll talk about that in a moment. The second thing is before you can reach them, you have to be able to relate to them. Now, this is obviously more common with people who like, are, are new into your fishing pond. Like, okay, I moved into a new neighborhood four years ago. They're a part of my fishing pond now. Now, I've got to get to know these people. If I, if, what's the best way for me to engage in a gospel conversation then to find common ground, find ways to relate to them, and then allow that to open up opportunities to share my story and, and to share the gospel. A lot of different ways you can do that. But here's some common ground things. What are common experiences, interests, needs, hurts, okay? All those things I just talked about. So here's number three. Remember that fish get hungry at different times. This is called receptivity, okay? Not everybody is receptive all the time for your conversation. Right? So, if I, for example, somebody put on our, our um, Wag- I live in Wagnalls Run, and somebody put on our Facebook page about a guy who was working, he's working for some, he's a salesman, okay? He came to somebody's house at 8 15 at night, rang the doorbell, they'd just gotten their small children into bed, asleep, now he's woken them all up to ask the question, is a Nielsen rating thing, ask question about, Well, my neighbor's livid, right? This guy's, wrong time, dude. Not Really, you're out here at 8.15 at night? And the guy says, yeah, we're out here till 10 o'clock at night. Bad decision, right? He says, I don't want to talk to you. And he started trying to ask him questions and got him a little more agitated. See, there's a right time for everything, and there is a more receptive time in people's lives than other times. So if they're not receptive, how do I help stair-step them into receptivity. So here's the the fill-in-the-blank. How open are they to the good news? And that's what I'm going to help you out with next because there are examples of levels of spiritual maturity, and I've given these to you, verses. Uh, Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted who are far from righteousness. This is Prophet Isaiah. If somebody's stubborn-hearted, do you think they're real receptive to the gospel at this point in their life? Probably not. Um. And this is out of, not out of Malachi, but out of Mark. It's a typo there. Jesus, with an unbeliever, says, realizing this man's understanding, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. What, what is Jesus saying about this man's receptivity? He's, get, he's pretty open. Like he's really close to stepping along, across the line of faith. You know, Jesus gave us the parable of the soils that talked about the condition of somebody's heart. A hard heart, hardened soil, Not receptive. Shallow heart, impulsive heart, might be somewhat receptive and may make a decision just to get you off their back, but it's not legit. Or it might be a soil uh, with weeds, a distracted heart. They may make a decision for Christ, but then uh, shortly thereafter, you know, just life begins to happen and come down on them. And then they, you don't see them anymore. They just, they, they walk away from the faith. You don't see them anymore. You wonder what happened to them. Good soil, he says, is receptive heart. That's where we want to get people to a heart of receptivity because he says, that's the good soil. That's the crop that, you know, gives a full, you know, a hundred fold um, crop. So let me just say this about evangelism or sharing your faith, all right? Sharing your faith does not happen very often spontaneously, but it happens a whole lot more often if you're intentional about doing it. Here's what I know about the farmers in Ohio. If they in the springtime, they sit in their house and they don't plow that field, they don't plant any seed, God doesn't water any of it, come fall, they got no harvest well it's the same thing true in our life and in the life of our church if we're not out there plowing the field if we're not out there planting the seed if we're not out there watering that seed then there is not going to be any harvest and when a church has no harvest it's just a matter of time before it dies the church is closed 4,000 churches in the United States close every year and this is why because the congregations die out because nobody's planting watering and harvesting so this is Here's how, here's how people come to know Christ. This is the receptivity thing that I want you to get a hold of. Um, and I've given this to you at the top. Negative six means this person's self-satisfied, they're, cons- they're skeptical, resistant, spiritually apathetic. That's the resistant stage. Uh, becomes aware of an unmet need or a spiritual void in their life. That's a receptive stage. See, this is where the common ground is. This is where you can move into and say, Man, I, I've experienced something like that. Or you can say, as we talked about, you know what, I've never experienced that same, exact same things personally, but I have experienced something very much like it. Do you mind if I share with you how God got me through that in my life? Of course, they, they want to hear your story. Sure, tell me about it. What, what happened? This is where your testimony comes in. Begins looking for answers to questions or problems seeker considers the difference between themselves and believers, consideration, learns why and how to become a Christian, understanding, ready to believe and receive Christ. They're ready to go. Ground zero, obviously somebody steps across the line of faith. And then here's how you follow up. This is our next step process in our church. Remember what our mission is? Help people take their next step, right? I want to start with minus six and work them all the way to plus four. So baptized, connected church family, let way of a class for that, so on and so forth. So at what stage would a person say, I think religion is a crutch for weak people? They're probably pretty resistant, right? There's like, there, there's not much receptivity there. The question is, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to help them become more receptive? Or please show me how I can become a Christian. I've had that happen maybe three times in my lifetime, all right? They're just full-born, ready to go. God's got them prepared, and you're the messenger. You're like Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. Man, God's got him ready. He just needs somebody to to share on the site, and you're it. Um, I'm really fed up with the stress I'm under. So here's what. Here's a hurt, receptivity. Now, they're receptive. Why? Because what's causing the stress? How is it affecting them? How is it impacting them? How can you share a story when maybe in your life you, you were under tremendous stress and what it was doing to you and what it was doing to your family? Uh, I think everyone will go to heaven. <laughs> this is a big one. Now, that can be resistant or can be minus two understanding an issue. In other words, they're, they're searching, but they're not, just not really sure in their mind, uh, you know, they think everybody's going to make it. And so they might really be very open to a conversation. I've been reading a New Age book on spirituality, right? There's a seeker. you you catch the phrase? On spirituality, I'm, I'm looking for something. I'm seeking something that I don't have. Why do Christians seem so happy? That might be a consideration. So here's the insights. Evangelism is a process of moving people through these stages. People move through these stages at different speed. People often require multiple exposures at each stage before moving on. A person can get stuck at any stage, and the number one reason is fear. Fear, what? Because to move from one stage to another requires a change in life. And oftentimes people, what they rather remain, even though they know it's not good for them, they rather remain in their box of comfort than to move outside of that box because they're fearful of what it's going to be like on the other side. The next one, every stage requires a different response from me. So what do you do with people at each stage? Let's let's go through these. What do you do when someone is at the resistant stage? Skeptical, self-satisfied. Number one, pray for them. Always pray for them. Pray, 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 pray. This is why you need this book. Powerful prayers. Don't pray some broad general prayer, Lord. I pray someday they'll get saved. Or "I, I pray that you'll just change their heart. You need to be very specific. listen. You, God's given you arrows with which to shoot at the enemy who's, who has this person um, in his kingdom. You know They're in the kingdom of darkness. Satan is their, their father, Jesus says, and he's k- keeping them blind. So you want to pray very strategically. Here's one of the ways that you can do that. Number two, build a relationship through love and service. Build a relationship. When I first moved to Illyria, I moved next door to a guy who... Um, worked for uh, I forget which bread company, but anyways he he did deliveries. His name was Rick, and so um, Rick and I, you just kind of s- struck up a conversation. He asked what I did, which usually you know like poo poo's the conversation when I say well I'm a pastor, uh, but it didn't it didn't phase him that much, and uh, but he had no religious background, and so um, but I but I served him. I did some plumbing jobs in his house for him, I helped him out with some electrical issues, and then he invited me to play in his golf league with him. And so this is how we struck up, this is how we built a rapport and a relationship and so I started fishing in the pond that was around me and the various neighbors, like neighbors across the street had children my, my kid's age. So that, there's an, an immediate common ground for us. And this family over here had a, another child that was our, our children's age. And so you just kind of work it from there. And then number three is invite them to a, what I call a bridge event. What do I mean by bridge event? It, it is an event that helps bridge them from where they are kind of where you're moving them towards. For example, we have the uh, Friends and Family Connection event coming up Saturday, going to Pigeon Roost Farm. That, that's a perfect opportunity to invite a family and say, hey, uh, would you love to, we'd love to have you come with us and be a part of this, this event, right? So this is non-threatening. You know, you're not sitting them down and giving them the gospel. You're just building relationship. You're building rapport. You're building on common ground. Or our women's retreat great opportunity hey you know what there's a group of us ladies who are going to be getting together in the park for half a day would love to have you come and and be a part of that with us and we're just going to talk about and you're going to talk about how you know what that retreat's about and and how you just get disconnected and and things don't seem to be going well and you get you get the picture right here's number four is do not do not argue with people who are resistant right? do not argue again nobody gets argued in the kingdom what do you do when somebody is in the receptive stage? Unaware, they're, they're aware of an unmet need or spiritual void in their life. Number one, offer help in a practical way. You know, offer help if you can in a practical way. There's a lot of practical things you can do to help people, to serve them. Number two, share a testimony about the same need. When God gives you that opportunity, again, people love to hear stories, tell your story. Remember, and this doesn't happen, watch it. This does not have to be your salvation testimony. This might just be a testimony about a hard time in your life, a difficult time, and how God saw you through that. Right, so so we're asking for God for wisdom. Number three, tell them that you are praying for them. Now you've put something out there. Because this is going to test the waters. Right, If if they were to come back and say, I don't want you praying for me. I don't believe in that. Well, probably then they're in minus six, right? There uh, but if they say, you know, I appreciate that. So you have some common ground. Ask open-ended questions. Tell me about the spiritual side of your life and those kinds of things. Evangelism is helping people to discover how God is already at work in their lives. Sam Williams, I love that, that quote. What makes people receptive? Change. Change does. Now, I've, I've put on here the Holmes Stress Scale, These are changes that happen in people's lives and the stress they're under. If you you have a person who gets like 300 points, they're off the charts. Like, they're gonna be in a mental hospital. All kinds of things create stress in our lives and when people are under tremendous amounts of stress, they are open to something, right? They're open to a change. It's like, I can't live like this anymore. Something has to give. All right, next one, what do you do with someone in a seeker stage. Invite them to our weekend services, perhaps. All right, this is non-threatening. Um, just kind of let them know what, what to expect. You know, we're beginning a brand new series October 10th called Grip by Grace as we're gonna journey through the Book of Romans. And so this would be a tremendous time for, to invite somebody. Invite them, number two, to a seeker group. And what I mean by that is uh, a group could be uh, like we're doing a service project out in the community. Now, what a great time to invite your unchurched friends to come and participate. Do you know when people start serving, it is often, more than anything, it is often the uh, catalyst by which God opens their, up their receptivity as they're rubbing shoulders with God's people and doing th- good things for people and helping them out, and they're open to why is, we do these, these things. And you can read the rest. I'm just going to fill in the blanks for you. What do you do when someone is at the consideration stage introduce them to other, other Christians. I think that's important. Here's what, here's what Matthew did. It says, invite them to a small group or what I call Matthew party. Remember, Matthew was a tax collector. When he, when Jesus changed his life, you know what he did? He threw a party. He invited all his tax collector friends. And guess who else he invited? Jesus. (laughs) Was that strategic? You better believe it was. So throw a Matthew party. Um, you can invite me, I'll come. Or you invite somebody else. Uh, but you, 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 but you, what you do want to do is that you want to at least have somebody share a story, a testimony. It, it may be the gospel because after all, they are at the consideration stage. What do you do when the person's at the understanding stage? Um, explain God's plan of salvation. Explain how you made your decision for Christ. Number three, this your fill in the blank. Help them see benefits and implications and the cost of following Christ right? Don't sell people on Jesus. And then after they make that decision, come back to them, say, by the way, we forgot to read the fine print. Here's what else, here's here's what else else God's expecting of you. And you got to put it on the front end. Okay. There's a cost involved in following Jesus. There really is. Jesus said there's, you better count the cost before you put your hand to the plow. Because if you put your hand to the plow and you start looking back, You're not worthy of following me. So uh, be honest with people about what it means. What do you do when someone is ready to receive Christ? Obviously, man, you want to give them the gospel, lead them in a prayer of commitment. What do you do after they receive Christ? Man, take them to class 101 or or a small group, encourage and attend their baptism. Baptisms can be a tremendous time where you encourage people Now, if you look on page 27, I've just given all of this kind of in in bullet points. Become aware, commit to prayer, show you care, be ready to share. I'm not going to read this to you. You can read on your own. You're you're all adults. Um, But please take the time and look through this. And then the potential relationship evangelism. These are seven steps, right? Make Jesus your main goal. Make Jesus' main goal your main goal. Clear up any personal hindrances or sin. Learn to pray for lost people. Listen. Learn to listen and communicate. Upgrade your witnessing skills. How do you do that? You practice. right, so if you want to become comfortable about sharing your testimony, you want to become comfortable sharing the gospel, because I'm going to tell you, if you haven't thought thought it through and you haven't practiced it, you won't do it. You just flat out won't. But if you think through it, Write it down, practice it with somebody, your husband, your spouse, or a friend, whoever. You become more and more comfortable with it and then you're more likely when the opportunity arises to actually put it into practice. Witness and give opportunities for response. Make disciples, not just converts. And so that is what it means to fish in your your pond. So again, I reiterate the fact that unless uh, we... um, are strategic, about our mission in life, here's what you will do. You will take this book, you will put it on a shelf, and you won't do anything with it. Bad idea. One of the reasons why you and I experience God's amazing grace is because somebody was willing to fish in your pond. Now, it might have been a parent. I get that. I understand that. It may have been somebody else. But do you know how many people are outside the kingdom of Jesus? By the thousands, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, they're few and far in between. It should not be that way. This is our responsibility. It's not just my responsibility, it's everybody's responsibility to be on mission. As God gives us opportunity day in and day out, and I, here's one of the biggest pushbacks I get: Well, I don't have any unchurched friends. I don't have any lost friends around me. I don't have any lost neighbors. Then find some. All right, go to the Sow center and work. Go um, when we open up the ministry hub up in, uh, on north side of 270. Go and help there. there help another church. That's maybe reaching another ethnic group or whatever. There's always something we can do. Reach out into our community. There are people everywhere without the Lord. And God has given us the calling to help them find relationship with Christ. Father, we thank you and we love you. Um, And so we are are, uh, challenged to the core of our being. Father, we know that this makes us uncomfortable. It forces us outside of our comfort zone. It forces us to do things that we've never done before. But Lord, we know that in every aspect, in every area of life, we go through that all the time. And yet with this one important subject matter, we tend to balk and just stand our ground and never move forward, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would convict our hearts. Give us ears with which to hear what the Spirit would say to each of us individually when it comes to fishing in our mission pond, being ready, being prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within us because of Jesus which in his name we pray and ask these things, amen.